You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Liz Eston. And welcome to Carried Away, a podcast where we explore the films and television shows starring the one and only James Eugene Carey. Um, Somehow, that alien language feels racist to a race that I'm not even sure exists. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a dumb woman. I don't understand anything. <laughs> uh, is that how you feel like the movie represents women? Sometimes, yes. <sighs> okay, okay. This is a wild, wild treat to, for anyone that hates sci-fi and romantic comedies. Um, if there is an insane person out there. I would say somehow it offends people who love musicals, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's like the most half-hearted. It's not committed to being a romantic comedy. It's not committed to being a musical. And it's not committed to being a sci-fi. So what is it? It is a creature all of its own. A uh, headwig, if you will, something that exists with no partner. This is Earth Girls Are Easy. She's a girl from Southern California looking for Mr. Right and finding Mr. Wrong. They're aliens lost in space looking for somewhere to land. It's love at first fright. Earth Girls Are Easy. What is easy? This is easy. Earth Girls Are Easy is a film that was released at the Toronto International Film Festival um, on September 8th, 1988, with a re- later release a f- nearly a full year later, on May 12th, 1989, in the U.S. Star um, written by Julie Brown, Charlie Coffey, and Terrence E. McNally, not to be confused with the famous playwright Terrence McNally, uh, directed by Julian Temple, starring Gina Davis, Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, Jeff Goldblum, and Julie Brown. So, I do want to actually talk about this, because the if you look at the poster, it is like the the most interesting like order of actors so gina davis gets top billing makes sense second billing is jim carrey and damon wayne right and then jeff goldblum gets the and jeff goldblum credit and julie brown gets and introducing julie brown i'm like okay so this is 1988 what where was julie brown's MTV VJing career at this point. I think it was, this is post the mid VJ career. So why is she getting introduced? I guess this is her. Because I don't think she's had a leading role in a film, like as a performer, as an actor before. Would you call this a leading role? I would say, you know, like there'd be some like, I call it best supporting actress if we were nominating it for an actor. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting. That's what I was getting at. It's definitely still not a leading role. Gina Davis is the lead and one well might... you know who's not in there who i think has a lot more screen time than everyone else and that's charlie rocket but we'll go into that later the plot of which in this musical comedy sure valerie is dealing with her philandering fiance ted when she finds that a trio of aliens have crashed their spaceship into her swimming pool once the furry beings are shaved and at her girlfriend's salon the women discover three handsome men underneath <laughs> after absorbing the native culture via television the spacemen are ready to hit the dating scene in 1980s Los Angeles. Um, this is a weird movie, right? I I love how like there's this the shaving machines that they all go into, right? Just the giant vertical tanning beds that you you walk into and come out with perfectly cut hair and on your head and no body hair. That's what I that's mean, what I that, need. Liz, isn't that what ladies go to? Like they choose to go get Brazilians and get their asshole waxed in like the most uncomfortable ways. They they just don't want to deal with the easiness of the giant shaving machine. Yeah, no, the giant shaving machine is something women don't do anymore. Like why would you go to the giant shaving machine nowadays? That's ridiculous. Because all it's made for is aliens, obviously. It's only made for furry aliens. Like, that's just a secret in salons. Everyone knows that. (laughs) Made for the Robin Williams of the world. (laughs) Um, I, 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 I feel confused by this movie. Liz, correct me if I'm wrong. This was a vanity project for what I would call the first tertiary lead in Julie Brown, who wrote the novelty song Earth Girls Are Easy. And then yeah. they turned it into this film, and then Julie Brown would later turn it into a proper musical with 80s songs, which was canceled due to 9-11. Um, True. I think we've brought this up previously, but 
what what a what a ride this film has been and what a almost non-existent cultural impact it has had aside from like what was Jim Carrey's first sci-fi role? Jeff Goldblum and Jim Carrey were in this film together. And then you're like, what were the was it Ace Ventura? <laughs> Is Ace Ventura sci-fi? Yeah, totally. Okay, okay, cool. No, dude, uh, I, we're we're at the late '80s now, and mm-hmm. I'm you know through this podcast, we're revisiting things, movies that I watched on TV or watched with friends as a young teen and teenager. Well, God, I, in '88, I was seven or eight years old, so I probably didn't see this until the early '90s, hopefully. But uh, at what point do we start getting out of the trope of all women are stupid, and when three alien men land in your pool, you you just keep your bikini on for the next half hour of the movie. Well, in fairness to her, it is Southern California. Fair. Oh, this is too good. There's a giant blow dryer in my pool. I will strike the movie this. After uh, Evil Fiance, who we'll get to later uh, in more detail, cheats on her openly. Uh, She ends up lip syncing a terrible song about how men are evil and she doesn't immediately take off her sexy clothes to impress him he she just keeps them on yeah. any other woman would have immediately put on a t-shirt and some leggings and been like i'm going to destroy my home now <laughs> Fuck you. i think it was an empowering statement that she doesn't she's now wearing it for herself and not for a man that's true i'll give you that but then spaceship lands in your pool. You think it's a hallucination. You swim into it. Knock yourself unconscious. Get saved by said aliens. And then they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's just all hang out now. That's normal. Must be California. I think that in the argument of the film, she's a little distracted by the furry aliens to really focus on that being the next... Like, that would be the defense. However... The other defense is I see some really ugly, like, producer character. You paid for Gina Davis. How long can you keep her, like, in that bikini? <laughs> and it's like, what? And you Poor can see Julian. her nipples the whole time she's wearing this bikini. Like, mm-hmm. no comment. Mm-hmm. She does look incredible in this She looks film, great truly. in like, this. The outfits they give her when they let her put on clothes, she wears so well. <laughs> they let her um, put on clothes. That <laughs> denim jacket with the buttons on the collar is kind of iconic. Like, I want that jacket. The only outfit of hers that I really hated was the blonde kind of look that she was trying to put on for her fiancé, Charlie Rocket. <laughs> yeah, um... That whole thing. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Tell me if you caught this in the in the opening kind of thing where Charlie comes home and he's being introduced to us, the viewer, and uh, and she's like getting ready and she pops her birth control pill, like she pulls it out of the nightstand drawer, pulls it out, and next to like inside the drawer, next to her birth control pills, is a whole mannequin hand. Did you notice that? Yes. No. Why do they have a whole? open-fisted, it's not a fist even, it's just an open-hand mannequin hand. Well, you can make it into a fist. Yeah. Okay, okay. You know, for, 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 for that, if you're into that kind of thing, I guess. Eat me, I'm a I'm sorry, I'm so embarrassed. I didn't know Ted had company. I, I, I'm Valerie. I don't usually dress like this. Here comes Dr. Love. All right, Robin, a pileup. <laughs> Who's your friend? This is the first collaboration where Jim Carrey and Charlie Rocket are in the same film together. Um, there's one more in Dumber, D- Dumb and Dumber, where <laughs> it is very similar, the relationship, where Charlie Rocket is the straight man and antagonist to Jim Carrey's weird, insane thing, and they, it's, it's interesting. But do you... I think Charlie Rocket is a very interesting comedic presence in films, and very, very tragic end. Do you guys know what happened to Charlie Rocket? No. 
Not top of my head, no. Um, he did a lot of work in very underserved but popular roles. Like, he was the dad in Hocus Pocus. He was the bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. He was the main weird obsessive in It's Pat. In very bad movies, he tends to be the most shining part of it. And here, he's still very good at playing the douchebag. But after his career took a, a, a downhill dive in the mid-90s, um, he sadly committed suicide in, like, the most horrendous way I could imagine. He, like, slid his throat in the middle of a field. Oh. Like, truly a, a terrible end. But it's not like the deaths of, like, Jim Belushi or Robin Williams where his work is remembered very well. Like, most people don't even bring up Charlie Rocket and the influence he had on SNL or things like that. And I'm just like, every time I see him, I'm like, you you know the role that you're supposed to play in this film and you're doing it well. Oh, yeah. And I just kind of wanted to take a moment and I will do this again in Dumb and Dumber because he is also very good in that <laughs> comedic foil role too. Um, here, it, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to watch. He was 56 when he killed himself. <laughs> That's a really... A really sad end to a very talented person. Real name was Charles Clavery. I would have chose the last name Rocket too. Yeah, me um, too. But let's get back to Earth Girls Are Easy now that I'm down after off of my soapbox, my Rocket soapbox. Um, rocket box. Liz, based on your research, this film was apparently not was a mess to make, like a horrendous behind the scenes disaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this entire goddamn history of this movie is weird. Like, it well, was tell like, us a little bit about it. It was recast like four different times. Which probably roles? Madonna was considered as for the lead instead of Gina. So it was Molly Ringwald, but they said no cor- correctly. I mean, um, arguably this put Gina on the map, right? No. No, no, she Gina was, was in the fly two the years prior. Oh, that was prior. Okay, okay. Yeah. And wasn't she in Beetlejuice like She uh, was a in Beetlejuice years? a couple years this, prior to that. Oh, yeah. that was all prior. Okay, I thought this was the precursor to yeah, those. Yeah, this okay. is the sequel to The Fly No One Wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the, the version of The Fly with a happy ending where yeah. you put him in the machine he becomes hot. He becomes hot, of, you know? a hot, ali- hot, fuzzy alien. It's like, oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> You gave me a mutated fly baby, but you're beautiful. Um, okay, speaking of weird mutated fly baby, I want to get back to the history. Yeah. Did it imply that he impregnated her because now she has two heartbeats? Was I the only one that missed that? Uh, no, wait, when it was in the hospital, you mean? Yeah. No, 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 that was to gaslight Charles Rocket into letting them escape. No, she's not oh, pregnant. Uh, she- I thought like, oh, you have two heartbeats, two different hearts too? And I was like, oh, no, she, she Jeff got Goldblum a baby was in, her? in his ear imitating the heart double heartbeat sound to gotcha. gaslight him to thinking that everyone has a double heartbeat. The movie Gaslight crazy. Me. Excuse me, doctor. Uh, this doctor is here to pick up these patients. Oh, oh, no, no, no. These guys aren't going anywhere. I'm admitting them both for observation under my care. But, uh, they seem okay to me, doctor. Nurse, why don't you listen to their hearts and tell me what you hear? Normal to me, doctor. No, no, that, that's impossible. They each have two distinct heartbeats. Uh, try me, doctor. Yes, yes, I could try you. Oh my God, you too. So they could escape. Uh huh. Gotcha. The movie gaslit me. The movie somehow, gaslit you. And somehow the nurse ended up in her bikini. Um. Yeah. The male gaze doesn't exist. What are you talking about? True. <laughs> true. True. So his bras didn't exist in the 1980s. They just wore whatever bras I had in hand. Uh. But yeah. Apparently, the first cut of the picture was a huge issue, and they had to cut. He, they had to cut a few songs and like oh. the budget is highly disputed. There's no source that tells me how much this movie costs oh, in a con- in an affirmative manner. What what are the ranges? It's rumored, citation needed to have cost ten million dollars in '88. That's that's a that's I a lot. It. Yeah. So that's I think what about that dream think. sequence scene where I'm like, a lot of money was spent on this very useless scene. Well, I was gonna say the even the opening scene, the uh, the weightlessness, and then like when there's when he's slicing up this the the superimposed beef or whatever, that was like state of the art for the '80s. They're like, let's just throw it all in there, and that's gonna be cool. And then we'll never see anything like that again. That's right. Yeah. It's gonna be state like, of the art. Because I'm Blonde it. was filmed way after the movie was done. Oh wow. That entire scene didn't exist. For most of the production, they just filmed it later. What? 
Yeah. Also, the the production company that made this movie had to file for bankruptcy. <laughs> they were really hoping that this was going to be a success. Yeah, it was it... not. It earned he earned less than a third of its production cost Oof. at the box office. So I guess it opened. It it went to theaters. There was was there. It a straight, did. It did go to theaters. It, did straight to VHS exist in '88? Not. No. I didn't think so. No. That'd be cool. Like I'd love to see what direct to video kind of like. The only thing that really went direct to video were like video nasties, and that was usually just in the UK. Yeah. Oh, also, wrong. the reason it took so long to come out was not due to like it not being picked up. It's because of huge legal entanglements, according to Wikipedia, that the movie they couldn't be released for a year. They aren't elaborating on it. What legal entanglements did Jim Carrey and like? Apparently, the distribution rights were like kind of like fucky, and like the potential distributors was a giant list, and like it just couldn't pick couldn't pick one or something like that. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, this film. I don't hate it, but I also don't like it at all. Like, that's the thing. I can't think of a thing that I liked about it, aside from just the genuine charm and strange chemistry between Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Like, that works for me. Everything else doesn't work. Jim Carrey, God bless him, trying to make something out of this. There's nothing there. And you know what? Julie Brown has has a screen presence. I am surprised they didn't do more acting outside of, you know, like the one line she has in a Goofy movie. And why are you so tardy, young lady? Oh, I was up real late last night with Ted. Oh, Dr. Doolittle finally came through, huh? No, he was dead on arrival. Again? Sanka? Sure. You know, at the rate we've been having sex, we might as well be married already. What's it been, like, a week? Two weeks. Valerie, Ted is obviously a victim of PMS. What? Premarital stress. Oh. Well, what'll snap him out of it? A new woman. Well, she's got she's got that on air uh, that on air chutzpah that that landed her her MTV VJ career. Oh, you're right. You you are correct. Um, how dare I forget that? Um. What is a VJ? Like, explain this to me. Explain this to me like I'm five, because I was not alive then, and I don't understand it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, remember the legends of lore of the things we call radio stations. And the music oh, yes. that gets controlled on those radio stations is controlled by a DJ, a disc jockey. And then when MTV came and put music on the TV... How do you translate a DJ to the TV? You put a V in front of it and call it a VJ. Grandpa Allen, just go to sleep. <laughs> we don't know what a VJ is. Remember back in the day when Carson Daly used to have even less personality? <laughs> yes, I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary. <laughs> yes, I know. Carson Daly, that I, I don't know how. David Letterman touched touched my heart and soul every night at eleven thirty-five. But it but it was like VJs were like they were the schlubby ones that got to stand on the beach with all the the shirtless, bikini-clad, bare-chested men and everybody behind them who were like, "Yeah, we're cool. Look at us." It was like kind of the the I think it set up the culture for real world and road rules. How many college kids can you stuff into a small seaside Florida town? Way too many. And MTV will be there with live concerts, party zones, guys in shorts, girls in bikinis, and big star co-hosts. The Sun, Skin, Stars, and Psychos. From Daytona Beach on MTV Spring Break 87. We go live starting March 27th. Uh-huh. Which is the first uh, reality TV, I want to say, that even, like, really did some cool shit. Someone call me out on that. All right. Call him out in the comments. Um, yeah. Uh, Spotify has comments now, so you can call Yeah, call out, out Alan. <laughs> I love Spotify comments. That's, a, that is that's our, default, our default question after every episode on Spotify. Do you need to call out Alan about anything stupid? But what does she do? Laura, Laura did I get that wrong? Laura Brown? Julie, Julie Brown. Julie Brown. Brown. Julie Brown. But like, what is she? Like, what she's is a she downtown do? Julie Brown, who's also a VJ, whose name is Julie Brown. Yes, uh, uh, that seems intentionally confusing. You I know, did right? That to, you did that just to make me upset. Wait, wait. What do you mean? What does she do? What does she do in the in Earth Girls Are Easy, or what does she do? No, what does she do? Like, in, what? In, like, what is she known for? Like, as a performer, as a presence, what is she known for? I just know her as MTV VJ. 
And I forgot she was in Earth Girls. Okay, okay. Well, she is the driving force behind Earth Girls. To this day, she is trying to make this work. She is trying to make Fetch happen no matter what, and it's just not no. happening. Um, she ca- is the only cast member to return for the musical playing the same role. It's not a successful film, but she's also the only one that got a Golden Raspberry Award for the Worst Supporting Actress yes. for this film. And I think that's unfair. She is fine in this yeah. film. The film is the problem with this film. Yeah, Chrissy Chenoweth was the lead in the stage reading, so. You know, and that was right before she was put into Wicked. That was right before the Wicked Bounce uh, uh, yeah. scenario. Yeah, um, also the uh, the stage reading was mere days after the 9-11 attacks. So it was not canceled and it but never became have... an actual show. It was just a stage reading, well, you... but it has such a good cast. It's got Hunter Foster. It's got Kristen Chenoweth. It's not a, it's not a slouch of a show. Yeah. And it's got great song choices too. I want to, I, like... I want to correct us slightly. I'm looking at, okay. at Julie Brown's information. Okay. I don't think she was an actual VJ. So downtown Julie Brown I believe was the was the VJ, but at '89, Julie Brown from Earth Girls Are Easy was on MTV's music video show Just Say Julie. She was uh. a, a demanding, controlling, pessimistic glamour puss from the valley, making fun of popular music acts while at the same time introducing their music videos, and also called herself Miss Julie Brown to differentiate herself from Downtown Julie Brown. She's the hottest little Hannah head on MTV. Just say Julie. That's me. Ba, ba, ba. I just changed her name. At that right. Point. Like, yeah, well, how did MTV let that happen? Like, that's what fucking Katy Perry did. Wait, so, did. what was her original name? Her name is Kate, Katie Hudson. Oh, yeah. Don't do that one. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. My name is Matthew McConaughey. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, like Michael Keaton. His real name is Michael Douglas. Yeah, or <laughs> Michael Jordan. Michael B. Jordan had to be Michael B. Jordan because Michael Jordan had a SAG card already, and he couldn't be Michael Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Space Jam. <laughs> Once again, you're ruining everything. But it made a great joke in the new one, I will say. Yes, that is the it's one the best good joke, joke in the in... new one. I don't know if this counts as a miracle, but I found Michael Jordan. He was in the audience. Come on, man. That's Michael B. Jordan, the actor. We couldn't get Michael A. Jordan, so we got Michael B. Jordan. What a time that we have a Space Jam 2, but not an Earth Girls are easy to. Um, Do you want? I, I want to see what their planet looks like, sincerely. I felt like I was a little... Um, um, alien cocktail. It's all, it's all furry. It's all, it's just it's all furry. Planet of furry. I mean, apparently they have regular penises. Oh, um, no. Under, underneath the fur. It's like Grinch logic. You, yeah. What is weird though is that they all still wear diapers on, like, over their, their, I, well, I guess if they were real aliens, that their wee wees would be hanging out. So they do wear diapers because aliens have modesty too. Well, I guess that's the question, but they got all that fur. Does like the, does the shit get matted into their fur when they use the restroom and things like that? Would... Do you have to shave it like a cat or a dog? I know there is a scene where Jim Carrey does learn what a toilet is, so I don't know. Oh, does he just shit himself like a crinkler? No, he at tries a furry to piss convention? in the letter box, and Jeannie Davis is like, no, 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 no I have to show you what a toilet is. And then she flushes it, and he goes, "Oh, now I get it. Like, because mm. you don't want to, you want too much potty humor in this high class movie." Um, Jeff Goldblum speaks nothing but positively about his experience working on this. He was like, "It was a fun summer, you know. We were all hanging out. It was a lot of laughs." And he got to play piano. Like, he's living his best life. Was he really playing? Can he play? Oh, he actually plays piano. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he plays, plays jazz piano. piano. Really? Yeah. He's gonna be the wizard in Wicked. He's got musical talent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. I don't. I feel like we've talked about this movie, and I'm the only one that said an opinion. Is this movie any good? Really? I. It's growing on me more that I'm like 
finish the movie. Like, I don't hate it as much as I initially thought I did. I mean, compared to last week's episode, um, well, not last week because our schedule's a little... Our last recording session, uh, Peggy Sue got married. Like, what's the difference? Because that is also a romantic comedy that has weird gender politics yeah. just like this one is. I, um, but... Like, I, I think the Peggy... Peggy Sue takes itself, like, way too seriously in some of those gender politic regards. Like, it's not, like, kitschy and, like, a joke. I think Earth Girls are easy to kind of aware that how this premise is bad and, like, women aren't like this to a degree. I mean... Ish. Well, we don't... I I feel it's complicated. It is complicated. I feel guilty saying I like something that doesn't respect any gender the way yeah. this movie doesn't respect women. Yeah, it doesn't respect women. But it doesn't respect men either. It doesn't respect humans. <sighs> I think it's or aliens. It just doesn't respect. Yeah, it has no respect. It is. This is what Rodney Dangerfield was talking about. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield's no respect. Everything is about Earth Girls. No respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, tie that to... Uh, now I can finally tell the Rodney Dangerfield story connected to Jim Carrey. Rodney Dangerfield was basically Jim Carrey's mentor. Jim Carrey opened for him for years, and they became, like, really close friends, and... One day, Rodney Dangerfield in a robe. Jim Carrey's just hanging out with his dad, who came to see the show. Rodney Dangerfield's smoking a blunt, and he offers it to Jim Carrey's dad. And he's like, you want to try? And he's like, oh, if you give that to me, I'll be up to a pack a day by noon. And then everyone starts laughing, and he's like, where the fuck did you get this guy? (laughs) No respect. Or all the respect. Well, How about we compare our opinions to those of the real real critics from the time. It, let's look at the New York Times. Karen James, uh, who said, with a scattershot style that includes lengthy, often lame song and dance parodies, as well as special effects, slapstick, and satire, the film can't begin to sustain its lunatic premise when Valerie and her ditzy boss Candy shave off the aliens for and make them over to look like valley guys. Predictable disasters follow, including tr- dead tropical fish and bad driving. I, I don't see any satire in this film. I feel like that's uh, being a little too kind. Yeah, there's no satire at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, well, are they making fun of musicals? I don't... Are they making fun of rom-com? Are they making fun, making fun of aliens? I they're making fun of musicals because Julie Brown makes music professionally at this time, so they wouldn't make fun of her own songs. But it... it uh, I mean, okay, so she's on MTV. She's making her own music. She's wanting to get it. I, I guess, was there anybody... I was going to say, was there anybody doing the same thing of writing original music and putting it into a feature-length movie when it was not a... Act, an actual stage musical? Yeah. yeah. Um, UHF. Um, I think the next year... Or no, that same year. Uh, no, it was 89. It was next year. Yeah, it was the Batman, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters to like three hand punch where it flops because they all opened on that same weekend. But UHF, like original songs by Weird Al, original story, basically a vanity project for this comedy musician and a significantly better film. Yeah. Fair. And you guys could argue like pop star is kind of like that. I mean, it wrote the songs for the movie, but it's a Lonely Island vehicle. Well, then you've got Walk Hard, too. Yeah, Walk Hard as well. Yeah. Which Wait. is one of my favorite comedies of all time. So can I wrangle us back to talking about Jim Carrey? We can. Because Go for it. He's, he, this is the beginning of the faces that I know, that we know as Jim Carrey. <laughs> I mean, we see little traces in the past, but then this is like, go full on weirdo alien, man. And uh, and I and I like that that he's been kind of giving that creative freedom to explore his alien side, which becomes kind of his go to shtick for the rest of his life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he does it the best out of the three. Like D- Damon Wayans, God bless him, has a lot of talent in a lot of other places. Slapstick comedy of this sort, not really <laughs> his vibe. He gets to do a five minute dance off. It's impressive. That, that part on is so the long. only part that I liked him in. Like yes, that me. part really works. But every other scene where he like does imitations or is he he looks a little lost. Uh, where Jim Carrey was like, oh yeah, I could do this in my sleep. I uh, make a goofy face, go all rubbery. Like there's a moment where Julie Brown just grabs his face and he just like it it goes like mush in her hands. It is so. After the 12 inch tongue licks the ice cube out of the glass. I'm going home with him. I'm going home with him. I'm going home with him. 
Kenny, I can't believe you're fringing an alien in front of all these people. You would have booped me, Ralston Norris, Norris sound. Oh, wow, what was it like? Oh my god, you're so lucky. Did you get his number? I want his baby. Hit me! That, yeah. I mean, that is the obvious gag, but the thing that makes me laugh is how, like, squishy his face becomes in her hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, she disintegrated it like it was putty. Yeah. And then tongued him a lot. Mm-hmm. She said she wanted to have his babies. She did, she did. I want to have his babies. And then she doesn't, because he goes off with uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. True. She brought Margs, and nobody drank the Margs. Yeah. Listen. Because if, as you know, give me one margarita. Don't know this phrase. Oh, you don't know it? No. He lost me. It's that biblical lady. It became a sound on TikTok where it's like, oh. give me one big margarita and I'll open my leg. Give me two margarita and I'll give you some egg. Give me three margaritas and I'll put it in my puss. Give me four margaritas and I'll put it in my tush. It's a weird song. Give me, two, give me one margarita, I'ma open my leg. Give me two margaritas, I'ma give you some egg. Give me three margaritas, I'ma put it in my puss. Give me four margaritas, I'ma put it in my tush. Give me five margaritas, I'ma get some fun. Give me five. I'm gonna have to look this up for the edit, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, look that up uh, because compared to the Christian lady screaming it out, and then the the college kids are cheering for each margarita, and then a rapper made it into a proper hip hop song. It's wonderful. Amazing, amazing. Buy her one margarita, she will spread her legs. (laughs) When I heard it, I said, "This sounds like a rap song." But yeah, and she had about four margaritas there. I like Marlon Wayans, dan- the end of his dance move when he put the other guy to shame, and it's just because he could spit in place and cause smoke to come out of his shoes. That was pretty. That's a pretty cool scene. It's a good bit, and it's like, as far as movies go, we don't get a lot of movies with setups and payoffs like this anymore. <laughs> like a lot of films, things just kind of happen, and this at least has a competent structure to it. And if I'm just complimenting you on your basic structure, I don't think that's a great sign. Now, how about we compare our opinions to those of the real critics over on Letterboxd.com. It's time for the Letterboxd game. One star, five star. (laughs) Anyway, Letterboxd game. One or five stars. I'm ready. Insert it into my veins. Give it to me, Letterboxd daddy. (laughs) How about you said that I don't want to? (laughs) Like, I was going to pass. May I? <laughs> I spent all this time looking at reviews, and I'm like, eh, I May I please have a letterbox? Alan, you can't, because you didn't say daddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the rules of the, all these letterbox reviews are real letterbox reviews. They're either one or five. Jess and Alan got to figure out which one it is. You're learning. All right, you ready, Alan? I was born ready. The fly used to be sexy. That sounds like a review for The Fly. Right? <laughs> the used Rosary. to be. Used to be. So, wait. Fly came out first, though. So, used to be sexy, which means that they saw this one before The Fly. Um, I'm going to go with five on that one. That is correct. Yes. All right. Jess, you ready? I like to show I'm my work. I'm ready. I suddenly really want to visit Paris with Dina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> That's a five. Yes. <laughs> Um, I don't show my work. You will never understand my thought process. I don't want to know your thought process. It's scary in there. All right. So basically, if Greece was better. One. Correct. Yes. Greece is a significantly worse film than this. If he looked like Jim Carrey, I'd be easy too. That's a five. Correct. Mm. Five for horny. Too horny. This is when the horniness starts. Because people are starting to be horny. Horny box. So. It's time for a would horny you? box review. Oh, that was the review. Would That's you? That's the review. Would you? Would you? Yes. I the letter U. No, I'm reading. Is it W-O-O-D or W-O-U-L-D? W-O-U-L-D. The mm. question is, would you? I think it's, I, I'm reading it as, would you? Inflection down at the end. Like, that's gross. One star. That's a five. No! I mean, I would. I would. <laughs> I mean, have you I know s- one of them. You seen the way he uses that litter box? Mm. That's a litter box daddy. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> litter box, not letter box. Well, he used that letter box as a litter box. <laughs> By eating the fish. He's eating Rages. my bluegill. Eating my bluegill. My bluegills. They ain't my <laughs> bluegills. <laughs> I'll take those as a yes. 
Um, well, yes, I'm sorry. Man boobs, sad emoji. Man, that sounds like it was a letter from my father. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give that a one. That is a five. Woohoo! Tied up two to two. We're still tied. All right, Ray Allen. Oh yeah. I just want to cry. Ellipses, period, no punctuation. I just want to cry. That's the sentence. How does it end with a question mark? Or a, a... It has no punctuation. Damn it. That's you have always... to just read Is it. there any capitalizations? Actually, none. I just want to cry. One star. I just want to cry. One star. W-A-A-N-N-A. One star. Correct. Yes. All right. Who was, it was Jess's turn. Jess's yeah. turn. Um, Jess's turn. I'm Julie Brown really did that. did all that. That's a five. Yes. They love Julie Brown. Damn it, Jess. All right, we're tied again. There's three or few slept, so if you tie, there's a tiebreaker. Ugh. Cool. <clears throat> Admit it. You would, too. Th- but that's the same as you would? You no, the, you it would you was the other one. This oh, would is a you. different version of that review. Wait, so would you was what? Well, that, was that, a, was, that was a five. That was a five. So, And then this one is what? Admit it. You would, too. Admit it. You would, too. That is yeah. a one. Correct. Yes. <sighs> All right. Rageous. I am. The most important film ever made. Five. One. Yes. Damn. Boom, 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 Alan's boom. One. And the last review, one. which is my favorite, going to the doctor, because I have a few questions. <laughs> and that doctor? Dr. Love, Charles Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Love. Uh, that's a five. I, I, yes, I that was a that five, was Jess, everyone. so you actually tied it up. Well, it was my turn, I though. did it. It was, but I you you didn't answer. So oh, I thought I'm gonna call that a tie in this case. Just no, to be fair, fine, so. fine. Alan, you've won the most of these rounds. Let Jess have some <sighs> wins. Listen, I'm I'm of the generation where not everyone gets a trophy. You don't need a trophy. You gave us those trophies though, so this is your fault. That's true. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I don't know where I'm going. Either way, Earth Girls Are Easy is a weird movie, but I kind of appreciated the surreal moments. I really like the weird dream sequence. I really like the opening animated piece for the opening credits. I was really impressed by that. talked about the alien design like i think that's a really creatively designed alien creatures nothing looks like that aside from like maybe chewbacca but even then it's a little bit more late 80s early 90s neon colors i love what a cynical take it is on southern california (laughs) i love the pieces of just 80s culture like when we let's take a look at the duck factory which makes LA look like this horrendous hell town that you drive through at night and you feel like you're going to die. Or this makes it look like Disneyland. <laughs> True. The difference between the mid-80s to the late-80s representation of LA is so fascinating. Even, like, the difference between this pre- representation of LA and LA and Once Bitten <laughs> is so decidedly different. That's very true. I wonder yeah. if it is the... Uh, the mindset of the production team slash director slash writer as we go bigger budget, they tend to enjoy L.A. and Hollywood in general a little bit more. So they're writing the scenes that, that, that speak to them. Maybe. I think I think that's probably true. I also feel like this also didn't know what it had to say about L.A. So it just kind of feels like a hodgepodge of like well we want it to look pretty because we want our movie to look pretty and we want everything to look pretty we want gina davis jeff goldblum jim K- they all have to look really pretty um i think this is like the most it's like if a five-year-old tried to make a movie but it, it, I, but yeah good i'm speaking their language again jeff goldblum got last billing but he had just done the fly two years prior so yes. let's talk about the and thing. There's the I and and agents. with. And yes. and introducing. There's and and introducing. Right. So and is something you negotiate in with your contracts as it's introducing. These are things that are worked in through agents and contract negotiations. Yes. So there was no way Jeff Gil- Goldblum was ever getting top billing in this film. So you negotiate down. But why? He had just done the fly. Why are you going to give them free advertising with your name if you're not the lead? But Jim and Marlon were bigger names at the time? No, that, do- that doesn't matter. No. 
why would you lend your name to help promote this film if you are not the lead? But he won. Okay. Um, so that is my talk about unions and actors billings um, for the day. Um, so Earth Girls are easy. Did anyone have anything else left to say about this? I, I enjoyed the, the, the comic bit of them being small when they landed in the pool. <clears throat> I always thought that was funny. I, I like that. I like... I think Gina Davis is a very fine lead, truly a very charming lead in a very self, I won't say self-conscious role. Like it's a really goofy role. Um, and also this is just my thing. I think the poster for this movie sucks. Yeah. Which one? All of them. Oh yes. Cause there's a few. Like all of them just look like, cutouts of Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum and they have this beautiful VHS design that they never used outside of like foreign markets and I think this looks incredible like look at this this sums up the whole movie and it looks good Gina Davis her her breasts don't look like that at all yeah <laughs> obviously but <laughs> that is not an accurate representation of this movie I mean if that's the only thing we're looking at <laughs> yeah there's other things here there's the fuzzy blue alien well he looks like yes. the fuzzy blue aliens right the the spaceship behind him totally wrong coming out of a pool I can't they were even... in a pool yeah we got the pool they were in the pool for most of the movie right uh, wait, how come the tagline is in, what is this? This is French? Yes, this is uh, foreign market. I think this was um, just European. Well, yeah. the tagline is not English, but the title is. I guess it doesn't translate. Let's go, so is it? Let's go, so is it? Oh, that blue man, that's almost as hairy as our French women. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that, that's, that's French, right? That's, that's getting cut. Oh, French lady is very hairy. Jess, I don't know how many times I have to tell you to not do accents. <laughs> but I don't know how many times I'm going to tell you. I'm going to keep doing accents. I know, I but support. I'm going to keep telling you to not do accents. I support accents. I don't support calling all French women hairy. Um, Have you been to France lately? I have. Not lately. Have you looked? Okay, then. Uh, I don't. I think they would own that, honestly. I think they'd be like, I'm so much, you American pig dogs. I don't get shot in my schools, unlike you guys. I just have a little extra hair. <laughs> the- honestly, I respect the hell out of French women for not shaving. Like, fuck, fuck that. Like, you don't need to shave for anybody. Just do what you, do what you feel like. I respect French women for that. I don't respect the French for anything else. Because fuck the French, they're assholes. Jesus. <laughs> it's not going to go well in France. This pod- oh, God forbid. We just lost our three French listeners. I am, also, I I do am have writing a quick strongly worded essay. From earlier. So I said this. I said in the doc, this was nominated for We're Supporting Actress. Julie Brown wasn't nominated. Who was? You know that weird blonde lady at the gas station who, like, had three lines and had, like, giant boobs? Her? She was nominated for Supporting Actress. What? Okay, I guess. So, just correcting the record. That is, like, picking on the dude that cleans the pool in this movie. Like, exactly. what's the point? Why are we bullying such a bit player? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just wanted to correct that. So, from what I found about this mm-hmm. movie, her name is Angeline. That's her industry name. She has uh, a okay, okay. I know exactly who she is. Now. Yeah, she's a okay. very famous model known so, for her Pete Corbett. I know exactly the why they did this. Corbett. L.A. people being assholes again. So Emmy Rossum just played Angeline in a new uh, Peacock series. Um, she was this famous model that had one big billboard that was everywhere, and everyone was fucking sick of it. So they gave her a tiny cameo in this film, and then, of course, the Golden Raspberry's like, Fuck that woman! I have to see her on the fucking billboard! I'm gonna give her... And yeah, Wait, that sums up L.A. What was that again? L.A. for you. I missed that whole rant. You gotta do the whole thing again. <laughs> no, you'll have to listen to Just it. Just listen to it back. It will get good. Yeah, you'll listen to it when the episode releases. <laughs> it was really good. Um, It's gonna win me a Golden Raspberry Award. Um... <laughs> What is our overall thoughts on Earth Girls Are Easy, and is it an alrighty then or a no spank you? Alan, you're first. I'm going to go with, and I hate myself for this, an alrighty then. What the? (laughs) I'm 
gonna, what? I'm gonna alrighty then this one. Okay. I know spank you. you Want to elaborate on that? Yeah, buddy? elaborate. No, I, a I, light I, alrighty then. Is it's it a, like a very, very light alrighty then. Again, because I feel very guilty liking anything that that just doesn't respect people the way this doesn't didn't respect people. But all right, because I like Jeff. Marlon was a throwaway. He could his whole character could have been cut. That's fine. I like Jeff. I like Jim. I like Gina. I like the pool guy, buddy. Like I think we and Julie Brown. Julie Brown. Like they work together chemistry wise, and it I it held my attention. I don't like that it held my attention, but it did. So there you go. Very light. Alrighty then. Eat that. Liz, what's your what's your thoughts? <laughs> I didn't think I'd be this upset right now. It's, it's the oh fever God. talking. It's the fever. Don't take it personally. The, oh no, I, I don't. I didn't hate this like immediately. I think it's very. <laughs> I said immediately. I I have more thoughts. Uh, it's, it's incredibly sexist yes. and misogynistic yes. in a lot of ways. Like she's constantly going back to her cheating fiance every ten seconds because she can. Like he's still gonna cheat on her. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, and none of the people in this movie are. I, they don't have respect for them at all. Uh, but I love Jeff Goldblum. And I love Gina Davis. The Fly is like my number two movie ever, like of all time. Yes. So seeing these two on screen together gives me a mild soft spot. Let's see where this is I'm going. I'm gonna give it. I'm tempted to give it a very light already. Even, but I'm gonna get a very light no spanking. No! <laughs> Mainly because I wouldn't, I would give it already that if I wanted you, wanted people to watch this, I don't think it's worth watching a ton. Like, it's kind of a musical, but not, it's kind of funny. Wait, but wait, like, wait, it's wait, not... wait. We, how many, we're 10 episodes in now, and we're just now defining our, our judgment criteria. I've been evaluating this for me. What do I like it? Not do I want others to like it. We all have our own criteria, Alan. We all have our own criteria, <sighs> okay? We all review movies differently. <laughs> Quiet, like, Siskel. Do I, like, if you want to experience this, go for it. Just take a couple shots of vodka. Like, it makes it probably make it a little better. But do I... I enjoyed watching it, kind of. It wasn't, like, great in any aspects. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought it was kind of enjoyable. Yeah. The songs are kind of good, yeah. but it never goes into actual good at any point, for me at least. Maybe maybe it's... Okay, okay. Let's hear Jess. Jess! So that's that's my... It's a very light no spank you. I've, I wanted, wanted to dissuade you from watching it if it sounds interesting. Check it out. You're, but like, you're like 49%. I'm 51. We're right there. We're right there. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Forty-eight, fifty-two. This film upset me. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Tell me more. It Fighting. had one or two good lines. It has two compelling leads. There is not one moment in this film as good as the five moments I bring up constantly about Peggy Sue got married. Um, where I feel like this has no emotional core, this has no pathos, it has no characters, it has pawns that it pushes through the moments to get to the end of the film. And especially, like, they want a romance between the two leads, but one of our leads has the, the mental fortitude of a toddler, um, and the other one is aware of the situation. It's not like a situation like George of the Jungle where they discover each other and find each other. It is very much a, I have the full context, but I'm going to have sex with you anyway, despite knowing that you don't have really an ability to consent as a human being. And I know it, it, it feels icky to me. And the fact that she is so wishy-washy between herself, Charles Rocket, and Jeff Goldblum only lends to the fact that she doesn't know who she is because I'm betting the writers don't know who she is. She is a, a person that is different depending on what scene she's in. There is no consistent characterization. There is no consistent filmmaking. There is not running jokes. There is not an effective storyline. Every other scene is in a different movie. This is a mess. And despite one or two shining moments, it is truly not a fun thing to watch and find entertaining um i am giving this a pretty hard no spank you i did not like this at all dang dude you just totally respect it you just i mean that is a respectable very respectable very case respectable. but i still give it a like, light <laughs> i get i still give it a both of your opinions <laughs> yeah. no i don't but like I, it's i'm with you i don't like this i think i'm just i think just like I just I agree with you on a lot of your points. You make very solid points. Yes. 
and I don't believe in like, oh, just turn your brain off. It's a movie. I'm like, yes, I can see that. But even in films that are quote-unquote great, these things bother me. It's, it reminds me a lot of American Werewolf in London where there's like, I think that film is actually very bad. And we just remember the highlight moments and think that, oh, that's the totality of the film. And it is not that. So you like the howling more in the howling, the howling American Werewolf in London debate. Yes, the howling is significantly better. Um, I also would include Fright Night in there because that is a kind of in the same remake or original. Oh, the original. No, okay, I was gonna say remake. Um, but yeah, werewolf movies are interesting, and they're a lot like alien movies. Um, but you know who else is a lot like alien movies? Jim Carrey. Thank you guys for listening to our Jim Carrey podcast. Please follow us on iTunes and Spotify. At Carried away with Jess and Alan. We're on Twitter at Carried Away Pod, Instagram Carried Away Pod. Email us at Carried Away Podcast at Gmail Our title card is created by the amazing Grace Aki. Go follow them on Instagram at It's Grace Aki. This show is produced and edited by, edited by the incredible Elizabeth Eston. Our theme song is I Choose You by the band Thanks. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and not kicking us off for inviting three sexy alien men into mm. our letterbox, Daddy. Um, <laughs> all right. Is there anything else we have left to say? I think you only had one cringeworthy transition this whole episode. I want to give you props for that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting down, you know. Um, I, I'll... I'll be back up to it by the time we do our next <laughs> Good, good. Maybe we should do a David Fincher rewatch podcast. Oh. Next. I love David Fincher. Next. How about David Lynch? Next. David Lyncher. David Lynch? Oh, God. There's too much Twin there's Peaks. There's so much Lynch. We'd have, to, we'd have to pick, like, top-rated Twin Peaks episodes or something. No, there's no there, No, no. There's we have no to do the whole show. And the yeah. reboot. And the movie. Or maybe yeah, it's just a Twin a Peaks movie. recap. We can just focus in on Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks. I've never seen Twin Peaks. I've always wanted to watch it. But it is. Firewalk with me is probably my favorite. David what if? Lynch what movie, if we? You cannot just watch Firewalk. Holland Drive is one of my favorites. Um, what if we? What if we do another podcast later when this is all done? Just called What the Actual Fuck, and uh, we start. We start <laughs> with Donnie Darko. I love Donnie Darko though. Oh, I have yeah. I have feelings about Donnie Darko. I haven't I seen have a long ass time. In about a decade. I know, me neither. Um, I want. Would we cover the director's cut or the original cut? Director's Both. cut, of course. No, the director's cut. The director's cut. Explains director's cut is the bad one. The oh, right. the actual well, cut is the good well, one. Then the original. <clears throat> It's like the original is like a good type. Or 90. one of us could watch both. One of us could watch the director's cut. One could watch the original cut, and we can all just compare notes. I feel like that movie is confusing enough without the added ripple. Shit. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on Carried Away. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.